The technology underlying podcasts is simple. A podcaster publishes MP3 files to an RSS feed, and the listener subscribes to that feed, receiving MP3s whenever the feed is updated. Unfortunately, the simplicity of podcasts makes it difficult to build automated advertising infrastructure on top of that simple RSS model. This lack of rich automated advertising has kept podcasting from flourishing. Acast is a company that is trying to change that by providing a better podcasting experience for both the publisher and the listener. Today's guest, Michael Imtinger, is a creative technologist at Acast, and we discuss the infrastructure around podcasts and how Acast is trying to improve it. Before we get to this episode, a few quick announcements. Software Engineering Daily's community is building Software Daily. It's an open source news and information site about software. If you're a web developer, please check it out. It might be a project you want to work on. Also, you can go to softwareengineeringdaily.com where you can find links to the Slack channel for this podcast. You can find out how to become a host if you're interested in hosting episodes. And you can find my Twitter account, my email. I would love to get your feedback. Also, don't forget to sign up for the newsletter, Software Weekly, featuring curated content from the Software Engineering Daily team. Michael Imtinger is a creative technologist at Acast. Michael, welcome to Software Engineering Daily. Thank you very much. I'm pleased to be here. I want to start by talking about podcasting infrastructure and the software, the infrastructure behind all of these podcasts that we're using. Can you give me a high-level overview of the podcasting infrastructure as it exists today? Sure. So it's it's really, really, really simple, uh, actually. It's all based on RSS. Uh, and uh, anyone with like an RSS uh, link can pretty much, you know, uh, broadcast a podcast. So you just, you know, put up uh, uh, your audio file somewhere and you, you put up an RSS uh, feed somewhere and anyone with that link can pretty much listen to your podcast in any like podcast, uh, podcatcher app. So, so RSS is just another way of viewing content on the web, just like HTML or some other markup format. Yes, yes, that's right. So I, I've, I, I don't really know the origins of RSS, but I think it was pretty much invented for like uh, news feeds, basically. I think that was the inventor's intention. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, like, to be able to publish like news snippets, basically, and in in the context of podcasts, like it's it's an episode. So you know, you you publish episodes uh, instead of news snippets, basically. So you so you don't know the historical legacy of why it is this way, but what are the pros and cons of this infrastructure? I think the 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 pros uh, is that it's really basic and accessible. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's a format that's been existing since since way 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 back, and uh, so that's like the simplicity of it is really really beautiful, and uh, and that's what make podcasting great, I think. And it's also another thing is that anyone pretty much can publish themselves so you don't have to go you know go through uh let's say spotify for music uh you know uh, or you don't have to go through facebook to publish your news or something like that like it's so simple that anyone can uh put it out there so from a like a rights and legal perspective it's also really nice uh, because most podcasters pretty much own all the, the rights to their content, basically, which I like. Hmm. Uh, so, the, the, the downside, though, <laughs> there are some downsides to it, and it's, it's pretty, it's, it can be difficult to find podcast because it's so like spread out. It's not like okay, I go to Netflix and I find everything there, uh, or I go to Spotify and find everything there. It's like uh, it's really a wild garden, and really no no one yet has solved that problem to kind of uh, make everything accessible. 
to everybody. Why is that indexing and discovery problem any more challenging than the web? I mean, the web is pretty arguably well indexed. Yeah, I'd say that it's because it's audio and not text. Web is is so text dominant, and you know Google pretty much solved uh, indexing of, of the web and you know structuring the information on the web. Uh, but it's because it's so easy to index text, and you know when you do a search, you, you put in text, and they like match that against their like indexed text database. Uh, that will happen with audio as well, but uh, it's still a problem to in uh, to. Uh, uh, what do you say? What do you call it? Text to speech. Uh, text to speech is. Or sorry, speech to text. Yeah, it's speech to text. Right. Uh, it's uh, it's it, the technology for that is you know advancing like dramatically fast, but it's uh, it's still not like perfect, and it takes a lot of compute power. Uh, and there are companies uh, working with that, and we are working with them, and we're working internally as well with that the, the so is, text stuff is it seems like the technology is actually really well developed but at the high end it's still cost prohibitive because uh or i don't know maybe you could tell me because like i know for a long time it was sort of the, the model was basically you run a speech to text algorithm on to on the audio and then you kick the the text version to like a mechanical Turk, some person in Bosnia or uh, the Philippines, and then they look over the text for problems, and then they are an extra layer of error checking. Is that still the the way that this is done, or is there a completely automated solution? Uh, the solutions that we're looking at is completely automated. Uh, but the, it's it's really good in English, and I don't know Chinese, but maybe it's really good in Chinese and Spanish, but like the big languages. Uh, but like small languages, like Sweden, it's really really not there yet. So um, uh, yeah, there's still some way to go to you know before we actually solve that but it's uh, you know it's on the map and it will be solved eventually um, and i don't think any humans will be involved actually i totally believe that but you know what's, what's interesting about this is that the metadata alone is not good enough to do the indexing on this content i mean you would think podcasts podcasts tend to be about niche topics like news or sports or football specifically or software engineering specifically and there's all this long tailness to the content types i find it surprising that it's hard to index using only metadata like it seems like you could use the metadata which is in text format and index podcasts that way but it sounds like what you're saying is that you simply cannot do that you need the text to speech or the speech to text to get even more data and and really do some accurate indexing yeah and if you look yeah that's 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 the truth and it's also uh like many content creators uh, or like podcast publishers maybe don't really think about that when they put put their stuff out there you know they're you know really good at doing their audio but maybe they're not like tagging it enough and um yeah but it, yeah i definitely it, don't do that you don't do that either <laughs> no, no. and i'm an engineer i mean i i tag it with stuff like i will tag this episode with like some wordpress tags like yeah I, I, but i don't even know if the wordpress tags translate to the audio file tags and if they get pulled into the different podcast aggregators mm. now but i mean we at acost we we pull out everything we can from the rss feeds and index that uh mm. we are we can definitely be better at search and we will be uh but it you know it's pretty limited uh amount of data to do like proper really good indexing mm-hmm. i'd say and as you know when we get to like uh the majority of the speech text there will be dramatically different i think and much much easier to find it's also you know podcast mm, many episodes uh, are like hour long 
and maybe you're interested in like five minutes of that. And it's really, really hard to find those five minutes. Uh, and I think when we get like speech to text, that will also improve. So you can like search for specific uh, topics and really, you know, you don't have to listen to the other for five minutes and just to the five minutes that you're interested in. Oh, yeah. And yeah. it would be so great to have podcasts Twitterized and broken down into smaller, you know, yes. rather than it's sort of like blogging went from these long blog posts in the early days to 140 character blogging right. so that you can read streams of the world yeah. blogging about different things in 140 character snippets. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be a really awesome golden age when you can flip on a podcast about, say, software and get a, an endless stream of 10 or 15 minute snippets about software. That would just be fantastic. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think that would be, you know, increase like, uh, what do you say, like, conversion like following conversion because i think one of the greatest things with uh, with podcast is that it's like formatless there is you know you can talk about an, uh, a subject for three hours if you like there is no like uh, uh tabloid times to to match basically like on tv or so you can just you know dive into a, a subject for how how long it needs to take basically which i love about podcast but discovery of that is just not there yet i think yeah and no it's interesting that despite the fact that there are no tabloids no limitations we tend towards this one-on-one -on -one interview format that's almost become the norm it must be like 95 percent of podcasts are like this and the ones that experiment beyond that uh have something of an advantage. I mean, obviously, there's more editing required for exploratory formats. Um, you know, I, I kind of want to shift the conversation because there's a lot to talk about. Sure. I think that the podcast infrastructure today has kind of a chicken and egg problem with advertising also because the, the, some of the problems that you're discussing are things that are definitely solvable and they would get solved faster in industries where there was more money at stake. But what's interesting is that podcasting seems to be like, oh, if we solve this problem, there actually might be a huge influx of money. So you kind of have this chicken and egg problem. Who's going to solve these problems when there's not a, a direct incentive? Uh, maybe you could just touch on how the current podcast infrastructure leads to challenges and limitation in advertising. Right. So the current model is that uh, uh, most podcasters do this on their spare time. Uh, then there is this segment where uh, they have somebody who actually uh, uh, sell ads and they have like self-read ads, which, which are great. And, you know, you, you make a little money, you can, some people can actually live on their podcast. Uh, but to make, you know, to transition into like a, a mass medium, you need to have like a platform and that, that, uh, that actually solves this for you. Uh, and that's what we're trying to do at ACA. So one of our customers is obviously podcasters uh, who want to, you know, live on their podcasts and, and you know, uh, reach bigger audience basically and get into that good uh, spiral basically uh, so that's what we're trying to do is you know you come to us it's free uh, and we sell ads for you basically we do the heavy lifting there uh, so you focus on the, your content and hopefully that focus leads to like better content and we can sell more you get more listeners basically and that's how we see you know how we spiral podcast into a mass medium from this like what do you say nerd medium <laughs> that it's been for ages basically um did that answer your question it or, does so yeah. the, the you know a couple interesting things so the the current way you know there's some hypotheses around why podcast advertising is successful one is that it's it's host read so if yeah. If Acast, for example, we'll get into how Acast works, but just talking about advertising, if Acast sells a, an ad deal for my podcast, do do I record the ad or does the ad get – I mean, what is, what's the process there after Acast sells some advertising? Okay, so we have – we actually separate – 
between sponsorships and ads. So ads are uh, read by the advertiser. Uh, so it's like a, a, what do you say, like a spot on TV, basically. Ah, uh, yes. yes. And then we have like sponsorships, which are host read. Uh, so we separate the two, basically. So we offer both, both ways. Okay. Uh, how do you think the podcast advertising model as a whole today compares to the display advertising model? What are the hurdles that display advertising on the internet has uh, overcome? Like I can think of of auctions. You know, uh, on for display advertising, we have these massive auctions that take place every time somebody views an ad. There's a bunch of auctions and reselling going on in the background, and that seems so much different than podcast advertising today. Yeah, uh, it is. And right now, uh, there is, I don't really know if there is any like real time bidding solution for podcasts, but it, there will be. Uh, so we, we're moving towards that, I'd say, that you as a podcaster can pretty much uh, uh, just decide that, uh, yeah, I, I want to put this uh, slot up for bidding, basically. So that will happen with real-time stitching of the ad into your podcast, basically. Uh, and we're doing that already, but not real-time uh, we uh, we do all the like real time stitching of ads and uh, the the content basically. So we're really we're moving in that direction definitely. Can you talk some about how you do that? So like for, just for people who don't know what dynamic ad insertion is for podcasts, is basically let's say I am a uh, young male who works in the software industry and I press play on a podcast uh, about sports, for example. Real-time ad insertion might detect that my user agent indicates I'm a male working in the tech industry and uh, it's going to give me ads for Harry's Shave Club and, you know, because I'm a male and I need to shave and it's going to give me ads for continuous delivery software because I'm a software engineer and and these things are are sold on the fly they're they're dynamically inserted on the fly and then the podcast that I end up listening to has these audio files uh, inserted into the podcast dynamically um, so maybe you could touch on how that works on the back end okay so we have this we call it the stitcher. Uh, because it stitches together MP3 files, basically. Um, so what we uh, what we do is that we we take all in the si- all the signals that we can get about a user, basically. Uh, we um, and that boils down to what ad that user should uh, have. And what we do is that we we stitch that on the fly and we store it on a CDN at the same time. So basically, uh, the first the first person that you know matches a, a certain uh, combination of ads, that one is stitched on the fly uh, on a on a pretty fat machine, uh, and and the second user basically gets the the CDN uh, version of that. So the incoming requests, uh, you know. We, it comes a request. Yeah, somebody presses play. We figure out who you know what ads should this uh, person listen to, and then we redirect basically uh, to the CDN. So, and the first one, you know, it falls through the CDN and hits the stitcher basically, where we do all this uh, uh, insertion uh, in real time basically. So that's that's how it works in in really broad, <laughs> you know, broad strokes. So if I am a male working in the tech industry and I press play on a podcast and let's say I'm the first male in the tech industry that has listened to this podcast so it's not been stitched, you know, I I have not had an ad stitched into this podcast. So so this makes a request to ACAST servers. ACAST does the splicing on the fly and sends it to me. Yeah. And then simultaneously f- sends it to a CDN. Yes, exactly. So the second second person that is like you will get the CDN version, basically. Hmm. So on the CDN, I can say for some podcasts, we have like hundreds copies, like different ads uh, combinations, basically. 
do the advertising sales work where like you make a deal with an advertiser where you say I'm going to sell to this demographic or do you say I'm going to sell on this specific type of podcast with this demographic how how specific does do the sales get uh, I think you nail it there pretty much so it's just uh, we sell on verticals, but also podcasters can like blacklist brands if they like um, that they don't want to work with, and uh, so and we also have uh, uh, where where brand goes in and just want to advertise on a single podcast, uh, and specifically that goes for sponsorships. That's like uh, we we getting the advertiser and the podcaster to meet and greet basically and you know they and sign like a bigger deal that stretches over months basically a half year or so so it's uh, it's uh, we have a lot of different options there basically uh, we're looking at you know other possibilities too where it's like more of a market uh, like an open market thing but uh, we'll see uh, when we get there, what that's so, going to look like. So the mature industries that uh, have made their money from online advertising, they are rife with fraud. And I've I've tried to have, I've been trying to invite people who are familiar with these industries like display advertising or yeah. Facebook ads or Google ads to come on the show to talk about it. And basically I can't get anybody to come on because this is, I mean, speaking of taboos, Oh my God, I don't know if you know anything about this industry. Yeah, but it's I know. Just like it is so laden with fraud. And, and I mean, and maybe it says something about the way that just these, these markets work when you set up an electronic market, it just gets laden with fraud. Um, how do you – I mean, do, do you guys even have to think about that at this point? I know since there's not really liquidity – I mean, since there is a liquidity problem, um, you know, you'll probably, you're probably looking forward to the days where you have to deal with podcast advertising fraud because that would at least mean that there's significant <laughs> enough liquidity. Um, maybe you can tell me more about that. I mean, do you guys think about fraud at all? Um, we – I'd say we don't really have to right now because we're controlling – you know, A to Z, basically. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, just to make clear, we, we don't, you know, stitch any ads on podcasts that are, that are not hosted on our platform. So it's just, you know, any podcast hosted on our platform gets stitched ads, basically. Just want to make that clear. Uh, so... Uh, basically we control you know we we do the selling and we have the hosting we do the stitching and we also do the, all the metrics basically uh, and we also have support for third-party tracking so um, uh, third-party uh, like an advertiser can use their like whatever tool they're in, you know interested in using uh, or and we support that basically so they get the data directly and we're also launching like a i think the like a podcast value is that what it's called i don't know podcast value value yeah it's like it's the rules for how you measure a play Oh, like so we. Oh, sure. okay. So, so for people who are totally unfamiliar with this, the standard right now is like, it, regardless of whether it's a download or a stream, it kind of is the same thing, but it's sort of opaque. Or I'm, I'm not exactly sure how it works, but it sounds like you're imposing more standards on what counts as a play. Like, if I listen to 30 seconds of a of a 45 minute podcast, is that a play? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's it. That's and we've launched that in Sweden. Uh, So, like Swedish advertisers already use this basically, and we're like the only uh, platform in Sweden that actually adheres to those rules right now. But I think, uh, and maybe those rules will change down the line a little bit. But we're taking the first steps to like standardizing. Uh, those types of questions, basically, uh, and I think that's really important, you know, to for the legacy, uh, you know, to make it so everybody understands what you know what is a play and what is not. Yeah, and w- one thing about that uh, is like there's advantages and disadvantages to having the standard idea of what a play constitutes is like. 
the advantage to having a black box uh, to having a an opaque standard is that the fraudsters can't know if their fraudulent listens are working or not. If I'm a, if I'm let's say I start a podcast and I want to raise the rates on my podcast, I want to get better advertising rates. I can set up a, an EC2 server somewhere and just have it infinitely listening to a bunch of podcasts of, of my episodes or right, you know right. making different uh, requests from different IPs and and just and fraudulently listening um and, but and and I can do that if if I know what the minimum amount of time I have to spend listening to podcasts for it to sound like a listen. Yeah. But uh, if I don't know, then maybe my fraud doesn't work as well. Um, mm. But it sounds like you've come to the conclusion that openness is simply better for the industry as a whole. Yeah, I f- I, f- I think it is. I can't be certain, of course, but I, I think it is. And I, the response that we've gone, you know, gotten from advertisers is like one hundred percent positive. So uh, I think it's the right way of doing it. Uh, also, you're also talking a little bit about filtering. Uh, it's like. You know, there's a lot of bots as well, and there's a lot of apps that that behave like really weird, like pulling down episodes like two times or three times when you press play and all that. Uh, so that's something yeah. that we do as well, <laughs> and uh, that's really it's pretty hairy, you know, all that. But uh, as is any any anti fraud system, yeah. It gets it gets hairy and complicated quite quickly. Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah, definitely. And I think uh, you, you know Spotify also had this problem like you know, a year back, I think. Oh, I remember. They, that. Yeah, and they've put in a lot of filters for this type of thing as well, for like putting up bots that listen to to your music to get better rates, basically. Hmm. So yeah, that's a constant battle, I think. I think it is. Yeah. Um, so let's let's talk a little bit more about Acast, and and we'll we'll I want to have a conversation about Acast, and then have a conversation about the podcast industry as a whole. So, you know, we've kind of been touching on Acast in the periphery, but explain what Acast is from the top down. Yeah, so our mission is pretty much you know to make uh, to be the the platform for on demand audio. Um, so we have three customers. Uh, we have the podcasters uh, that you know create the content. We have advertisers who advertise and you know make it easy for podcasters to monetize their content. And then we have the listeners, basically. So we have those three legs, um, and we're trying to be like uh, podcasting A to Z, basically. So we have uh, all. Everything from uh, our create tool, where you upload your uh, your content and where you place um, uh, where you place out ads, and you also place out uh, interactive media. But we can come back to that a little bit later. Um, and then uh, we have this uh, ad insertion uh, technology, basically, and we have an app. Uh, for the listeners, and they, this is where we, uh, you know, add something to the medium. Basically, is that when you, we talk, like like now, for example, if you were on a cost, you could uh, put up an, a link to our homepage at this point, basically in time. And sure. So if I looked at my phone right now, and this podcast was playing on Acast, maybe my phone would show uh, from timestamp X to timestamp Y, it would show a link to a cast yes for example yeah. so and you can also uh, so links links and images and videos basically and uh, we have like uh, a pattern solution for that for all this um, so we're all looking to adding new types of interactive media um, and we'll be releasing that this fall basically uh, which you know, can help us get into new uh, business areas, basically. So. so Acast was founded by people who used to work at Spotify. How does the 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 nature of starting with podcasts, how does that lead to a different app and a different experience than starting with music like Spotify did? 
Carl uh, Rosander and Mons Ulvestammer actually, you know, they were the two two people who actually started. They they didn't work for Spotify, but they saw they were like podcast fans, and they saw that this is a this is a medium that needs to be fixed. Basically, you know, it's uh, it's been out there in the wild, and it's starting to grow. And you know, we were really really lucky to you know with the timing, basically. Uh, so I was number four in, and then uh, Oye, who actually worked at, at Spotify, uh, he was uh, hired for for the sales, for advertising, basically. So your question, sorry, your question was how... Uh, well, you know what? I mean, I, I was curious about how the the roots of, of Acast being in podcasts differs from the roots of Spotify. So like Spotify is now doing podcasts, um, but, you know, I think podcasting is such a big medium that uh, I think when you start with music and then you try to try to ease into podcasts versus starting with podcasts, you end up with a very different product. Yeah, yeah. So I'd say you know, the main th- difference about uh, podcast and music is that podcast, you, you're, it's really like fan driven like you listen to maybe five podcasts i don't know about you but i listen to like 50 different artists music artists basically and i listen to music like eight hours a day basically uh and i listen to podcasts like one hour one and a half two hours a day maybe uh so i'd say they're as a medium they're like completely different and they have nothing in really in common, except mm. that it's audio. <laughs> so uh, I'd say that um, I think Spotify's podcast product is is pretty good, uh, but I think uh, we have a lot of more uh, opportunities. Uh, you know, we have more flexibility because we don't have to care about you know music basically. <laughs> Why did you why did you get involved in Acast of all the things you could have chosen to work on? That's a really good question. It was uh, I knew Mons and Carl uh, from before. We never really worked together, and I was asked uh, you know to come in to take care of the tech. And I just like them or like a podcast fan, and I saw like a huge opportunity. And also, it's it's like. Um, you know, a lot of investors say, and I, I agree that it's not so much the product as it is the team. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, okay, this is a really good team. Um, so every, uh, you know, our the founders are like really, really experienced people. Uh, it's not like, you know, none of us was below 30. And we had, you know, long track records, all of us. And it's like, okay, this is like a super good team. The timing is perfect. I love podcasts. And it's like, yeah, let's do it. Okay, uh, so as you moved into solving this problem in the early days, I mean, podcasting... So you started, you started ACAST four years ago? Was it four or five years ago? Two, two years. What is it? Two and a half. Yeah, three okay. years. Two, yeah. So two and a half, three years ago, you look at podcasting. If I walked into the podcasting industry, I'd be like, holy smokes, this industry is totally broken. There's so many things that need to be fixed. How did you decide where to start? Uh, I think it was, you know, people who do podcasting, you know, to do, to do podcasting better, you need to have it as your job basically not as a hobby so we focused on you know the ads part basically that was the start we also thought that you know to give the user a little bit more um that is sometimes really hard you know you want to you want to have this extra information the the interactive media basically links to you know interesting um stuff that they're they're talking about so those were the two like main focuses when we went into it and you know everything else just came along basically you know we needed to do good advertising we needed hosting to do like this internet interactive media we needed an app and so that's where we started basically Mm. 
so how did those so those problems what's interesting about the the advertising and the dynamic content is those are complementary problems to be focusing on if you improve the dynamic content you give more advertising opportunities and if you improve the advertising infrastructure it gives more synergies with that dynamic content so uh, i think those are interesting places to start and those also incentivize i mean as a podcaster i like i find acast exciting because i'm like well i i spend so much of my time doing ad sales and it's just a horrible ad hoc process of emailing companies and just like i there i wish there was a company taking care of this so it makes a lot of sense to me that that's where you start what are the technical challenges of that i mean you had to build an app you had to build a back end um you had to figure out how the ad infrastructure works tell oh. me what technical challenges you were focused on in the beginning uh, me personally, I'm I'm more of a front end guy, uh, so I I try to like single handedly do uh, our first app basically to get something out there uh, really fast. And um, I mean, every single part uh, has been challenging, and we we were really really naive when we started. Uh, it was like, okay, yeah, this is this is this shouldn't be that hard. And then, you know, when you lift that stone, it's like, oh my God, this is hard. So like, I think, you know, doing an app is incredibly hard. Uh, it's just, you know, to get it right uh, and get it so right that people actually switch to it is, is you know, immensely hard. Uh, and we're working like every day to on that part uh, to scale like the back end. Is, has turned out to be really, really hard as well. Uh, even though we're we're hosted on Azure, so it's you know in theory we just bump a number and we have another server, but it's not really that simple. <laughs> uh, and we tried so many different things um, uh, on the back end as well. And then on sales, you know, culturally, it's like uh, in Sweden. Sweden is uh, it's pretty well known to be like a really what do you say uh, market is is willing to change and try new stuff so when we started in Sweden it wasn't really that hard to, to get advertisers to you know buy into this and start you know buying ads and podcasts but then we was like yeah let's do uh, let's do England and Great Britain it was like and nobody wanted to buy ads suddenly <laughs> Um, so there was what well, we had to focus on, you know, spend a year to like teach advertisers about podcasts because podcast was really, really like lame and boring in, uh, in Britain when we started. Uh, now it's much, much easier and much better. We've done the work and, you know, had thousands of meetings to explain, you know, the benefits of podcast advertising. So that's been like extremely challenging as well. So I, I'd say that, you know, every part has been challenging. And then like every every startup, we've been under uh, like, we don't have an infinite amount of money. So we've been a really small team trying to solve a really big problem. And I'm really happy. I didn't know at all what I was getting into. <laughs> like, uh, it's been so much work uh, to get where we are today. Um, and now we're at a point where it's like, okay, we can breathe normally a little bit. <laughs> well, you mentioned picking Azure. Why did you pick Azure over AWS or Google? Uh Good question. We have some AWS uh, services running as well, uh, but most of our stuff is on Azure. And it was because Marcus, who is our backend master, and maybe you should have talked to him, actually. <laughs> he's a great, great guy. And he, like... Um, you know, he, he's been solving so much stuff for us. And he was, well, he, 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 he comes, come he should sorry. come on the, he should come on the show too. Yeah, I'd definitely. Yeah, definitely. You should invite him. Uh, so he was uh, like a .NET guy. So I think that's why, actually. Okay. Yeah, you know, it was really, you know, Microsoft is close to his heart and he knows that inside out. So it's just really easy to get going. And is we your have backend in .NET? Uh, some parts, yeah. 
we have a service bus uh, where we send a lot of messages to, and we have uh, C sharp workers that take care of those messages, basically. Mm. Yeah. So some parts are .NET. Well, let's talk more about the the mobile app since you worked on that. Yeah. Um, I think of the mobile app for podcasting as such an uphill battle because it almost reminds me of when Windows put Internet Explorer on all of their uh, Windows CDs. That's the equivalent of the iTunes podcast app or the uh, sorry, the iPhone podcast app. Like, why would somebody use a different podcast app when the iPhone comes with a podcast app that's it's not not bad? I mean, it's it's what I use. Frankly, I know a lot of people who use Overcast. How do you get people to adopt a new podcasting app? Yeah, that's a, uh, I, I agree there are so many good podcast apps out there. But uh, I think our, uh, especially with a lot of content that's, you know, like new podcasters that come into our platform, they use the interactive media uh, like extensively. And I I had this aha moment uh, just like a year back when my wife said like okay I get it there was like a, a she was listening to a fashion pod that we have and it's they use like interactive media really really good and there were links to like uh, clothes and whatnot and pictures of what they were talking to about and it just made the experience so much better for her so she got it basically. <laughs> And I think uh, for the same thing, uh, we have a really popular, uh, it's not in English but uh, yet, but uh, I think the fourth season will be translated into English, uh, like a Swedish version of Serial uh, uh, called Spor, uh, which used use that as well. And when I listen to Serial now, it's like, okay, they should really be on our platform because that would be, you know, it would just make the experience of this story so much deeper, so much better. Uh, to be able to see pictures from Afghanistan or, you know, about this guy who disappears there and maps and whatnot. And, you know, it's, it's, it would be... Uh, make it just so much better basically so and also we're looking into a lot of uh, social aspects that you don't have uh, in many podcast apps yet and um, so yeah sharing it, a podcast is not a, not an easy task surprisingly it's not, no it's it's really really hard and we can share moments which is like like we talked about before it's like oh, okay it's really interesting here like one hour into the podcast so you can share that moment um and we we're working on improving all all the sharing technology basically and um, we're looking into different social aspects as well that we think will make uh the whole discovery thing uh much much better but it you know it's like um uh, we're developing every day and uh, we we are going to get so much better than we are today. Uh, I'd say we our app is definitely up there with the Overcast and the, and the Apple's podcast app. So does uh, does the app use React Native or any other cross-platform tools or do you have two separate apps an iOS and an Android app? We actually have three different apps. We also have a Windows app, Windows Phone oh, app, okay. wow. <laughs> and uh, and also it, that on uh, on Windows it's a universal app, so you can actually use it on your desktop as well. Uh, that's just been launched. Uh, I think I've been on vacation here, but I think it was launched last week. I, uh, I saw, but um, uh, yeah, we have uh, different apps. We had uh, cross-platform uh, and not React Native, but something close to that. Uh, that we did ourselves uh, and that was like a budget thing uh, and now we're really happy with how we're doing it so we have two two teams who work like uh, side by side oh three teams side by side how do you maintain basically. the the feature parity between the different products we're not like super picky about that uh, okay. to have them you know 100% on par uh, the platforms differ a little bit uh, so like Android doesn't have the handover, for example, that iOS has. So, 
but you know as they're sitting pretty much in the same room it's just uh and you know we're thinking every week uh on what we're doing or you know the teams are thinking like every hour i guess but we have meetings every week like okay what what are we working on right now and also it's you know a lot about an app is half of the app is like backend i'd say you know so if you develop one backend uh, backend feature sure that will, you know you need to stay on par basically yeah well and luckily the backend development side is unified basically because yes. it's the same api for everybody yes um, uh, so let's talk a little bit more about that the back end uh, component. So you mentioned social, for example. Uh, I think of social as this engine that can potentially really give you a lot of feedback into how you want to um, do the discovery platform on on Acast. You know, you want to the podcasts that are aggressively being shared or liked somehow you want all that information to feed back into Acast. so how do you how do you get that information off of these other platforms like once a podcast has been shared how do you follow up on how many likes it gets can you do that Mm, no that's kind of hard to do actually uh, and that's because if we talk about like Facebook likes, if somebody shares on their Facebook site, we can't really measure that. And that's like impossible <laughs> for anyone to share. You know, it's just the people, uh, the one who shared it who actually can read that value. Uh, but uh, what we what we do is the, what we know about is uh, when plays happen, when shares happens in our apps, basically. Uh, so that 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 gives us really good hints, uh, and what and that can be used in like for recommendations or for trending podcasts, basically. Uh, in third-party apps like uh, Overcast, and so we can only you know like everybody else, we just know okay somebody's playing. Uh, this episode basically uh, and we can uh, say something about who's uh, who's actually pressing play but um, yeah so that's um, that's something that we're working on and I think we have some pretty good technology coming out here this fall um, and okay. it, it's all about as, as we talked about in the beginning uh, about discovery and finding new content. Okay, so I want to talk, uh, uh, we're running close to the end of the time, so I want to talk some about the the podcast industry as a whole. What role does Apple play in the podcast industry? Oh, they're huge, and that's because they they own the biggest library, basically, uh, of RSS links. So, and they have the biggest I think it's the biggest podcast app. It should be. It must be. Uh, I don't have any data on that, but it, um, so I think they play a pretty big big role. Uh, I'd love to investigate other ways of building the library. Uh, I'm really interested in the blockchains and and that type of technology. You know to. Uh, yeah, I don't know. N- not to you know bring down Apple, but uh, I think maybe you know to to stay true to what podcast is is like uh, this really democratic uh, spread medium. Uh, maybe we could do a better library than the iTunes library uh, mm. and do that together, like on on a blockchain or something like that. Um, but they play a huge role, and it's like, uh, and I mean, they invented podcast in a way. So, and they will continue to play a big role. Uh, but to me, I'm a little bit, yeah. It feels like they haven't really moved that much the latest years. And uh, but I would be surprised if there wasn't any movement soon what, from what their side. Funny. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's funny because they obviously have some slightly bigger cash cows than podcasts. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's but also... 
but there is a yeah as as we're talking you know what we're talking there is huge opportunities here because it's like an evolving mainstream medium so i think apple you know will open up their eyes and move soon i i would be surprised if they didn't is there any risk of having diverging standards because you know for example you you know you mentioned that your format for i think you mentioned that the 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 dynamic content or the rich content, you know, if I'm listening to a fashion podcast and I see the dress pop up on my phone, yeah, I think you mentioned that that's patented, right? Yes. So is that a is there a risk of a divergence in so if if Apple wanted to do something similar, yeah, and they want to go around your patent, is there a risk of diverging standards? Of course there is, but I'm. Uh... I mean, right now it's a, it's a patent uh, solution, and it's the patent solution is really not on the interactive media, but uh, on the ads. But okay. the, the interactive media is part of it. So, but the focus is on ads. Uh, so, um, yeah, it's uh, there is this risk, but on the same, you know, uh, we would love if you know we could used a cost uh, as a standard of course you know the what we come up with basically uh it's not our uh what do you say business model to do the interactive media our business model is uh you know uh, dynamic ad insertion and we haven't really touched on that but we just released uh, a cost plus which is uh like the podcasters can lock down their content so, so you, as a listener, can go in and uh, uh, you know pay a monthly fee to listen to you know to get early access and get ad free and also like uh, special episodes um, if you you are a paying listener, basically. Um, hmm. Interesting. So, yeah. So. Uh, but uh, but uh, as I said again, uh, you know, diverging standards. Uh, yeah, there is this risk, and you know, we're putting out there. But our business policy, you know, sell ads and sell, you know, this uh, uh, subscriptions, basically. Yeah. Do you have any metrics for how fast podcasting is growing? We usually refer to the Edison. Uh, what is it called like the Edison Institute? Is that the- I think, um, but I don't have those numbers in my head. I should have. Oh, okay. No, no, don't <laughs> worry about it. No, I'm just wondering because, you know, there are some people who say it's growing at this percent. Some people say it's growing another percent and, and it's hard to get. I mean, it's yeah. pretty, so, pretty open. Yeah, we, we always refer to the Edison. Is it called the Edison Research something? I, that sounds familiar. Yeah, um, look it up. Uh, I should have that in my head, uh, but I don't, unfortunately. But it's like, uh, I think, uh, I might be totally wrong, but it's like 10% last year, like increase. Hmm. So, so it, yeah. So yeah, I, I th- and I think there's a lot of technical advances that are leading to some fundamental changes that are making people listen to audio more. I think the main thing is the streaming availability has gotten just really good and really fast. And so yeah. it's just easier to listen to a podcast on demand, even if you haven't downloaded it. Yeah. Um, so uh, uh, go ahead. Uh, yeah. And, and I think it's uh, a lot of uh, people like when they uh, go to work, what is that called? When, uh, Commute. Commuting. Yeah. So, you know, I have I have two cars and I have like a, a six year old car, which can't really connect to my phone at all. And then I have a, a newer car where it's like you know I just go into the car and it just starts playing a podcast. So that makes like a huge difference for me personally, and I think it does for a lot of people. Yeah, I think it does for sure. Um, so final question. There's this quote uh, by Joshua Benton that's become somewhat famous in the podcasting industry where he says, podcasting in 2015, because this quote is from a year ago, podcasting in 2015 feels a lot like blogging in 2004. To what degree do you agree with that quote? Yeah, I think 
I think he's right in the sense that it's like uh, I don't really rem- yeah 2004 what happened in the blogging I I lost track but didn't it grow out to be like uh, mainstream by then in 2004 uh, and what I see, though, what I think, uh, the fates of the two are pretty different. We we see, the, uh, or at least from my point of view, blogs are kind of you know fading out or dying, but I don't think like audio will uh, in the same. I think we will replace radio, basically. That's mm. what I think we will do eventually. Uh, so yeah, I, I I agree that we're like. This is the new uh, place to express yourself. Uh, it's really easy to get started, and um, it's, it's somewhat uh, hard to find blogs and then somewhat f- hard to find podcasts at this point. Uh, but I think, as I said, I don't think uh, we will see a decline in podcasts, ra- rather, the opposite. It's just a it's going to replace radio eventually. Mm. And that's how people will, you know, they will listen. Like, like TV is dying and Netflix and, you know, stream services are taking over basically. And I think the same will, you know, happen with podcast and radio. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, what I think is so interesting is that, you know, is podcasting going to be so? Like, you know, if I'm walking down the street and I'm wearing an earpiece and an augmented reality pair of glasses or contacts, um, you know, if I'm listening to audio and I'm seeing, you know, images that are associated with the audio, or let's say I'm wearing my augmented reality contact lenses and I'm interacting with my Amazon Alexa. Uh, and it's communicating audio to me, and I'm seeing images from my Amazon shopping cart displayed on my augmented reality. You know, is all of this audio in the purview of podcasts, or are there other audio uh, dimensions or formats? Um, you know, I could see, I could definitely see a a, a richer set of formats. Um, but I don't know. It's so hard to predict. I, yeah, it's really, really hard. I, I really hope and believe that podcast will remain as open as it is today. Uh, because that's its strength, basically. Yeah. You know, anybody can create content and it's really easy to get going and, and get it out there. Uh, you know, to lock it down... Uh, or what do you say? Yeah, I'm. I'm just thinking. If there are other ways, it 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 needs to be you know more locked down than the openness of podcast that we have today. And I hope not. But obviously, like when you get into uh, like the geofenced audio material, you know, when you get get close to a shop. There is like a podcast from that shop, for example. Um, maybe we have to look at different ways of doing it, or mm. maybe we can solve it. I hope so. I, I lo- I'd love to keep it open and keep it, you know, accessible, uh, just like the web is. Um, I, I really believe that's important. It's it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to imagine a future in which it's not, because it's not this DRM driven, you know, record industry type of situation where you know it's like the establishment is non open and and there's pressures to become open. It's the origins are open and yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, and I and I think that a lot, you know, most podcast producers like to have it that way. So even if there was like a a way to lock it down, and um, I think they would stick to uh, to the openness. And I'm saying that even though we have this lockdown uh, option, <laughs> uh, but the lockdown option here isn't, you know, it's still available. Like it was, you know, yesterday. Uh, it's just that you get some perks like ad free, and you're actually not paying. You know, you're paying the podcaster. Uh, so yeah, well, YouTube is not the same as Netflix, and that's not the same as Hulu. These are yeah. different platforms for watching videos. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay. Well, Michael, this has been an illuminating conversation. I have really enjoyed it, and I have gotten a lot of interesting, useful information out of you for my own <laughs> use uh, usage. Um, I mean, for the listeners. <laughs> um, so thanks for coming on the show. I, I'm a fan of Acast, and I will be following you uh, and the team at Acast closely. And I want to thank Caitlin for setting up this yeah. uh, this interview. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Uh, great talking to you. Thanks to Symphono for sponsoring Software Engineering Daily. Symphono is a custom engineering shop where senior engineers tackle big tech challenges while learning from each other. Check it out at symphono.com slash sedaily. That's S-Y-M-P-H-O-N-O dot com slash sedaily. Thanks again, Symphono.